Welcome to A Community on the Move, the story of Active Atumwa. Active Atumwa is a community-based research project that encourages all adults to be more active. Atumwa community members and the University of Iowa use the latest research to design this project. The research project for Active Atumwa has concluded, but the Active Atumwa program continues under the leadership of Hy-Vee of Atumwa and with the positive support of community organizations. In this series, we're learning from people involved in the project about what worked well, what they learned along the way, and the impact Active Atumwa had on the community. Over the next 10 episodes, we will talk about many aspects of the Active Atumwa project to learn about the successes, challenges, lessons learned, pride, and humility that went into this project. My name is Hannah Schultz, and I am the host for this series, and I'm learning about this program along with you. I work at the University of Iowa College of Public Health, but have not been affiliated with Active Atumwa until we started planning this podcast series. Working on this series has been a joy. I've been impressed every step of the way by the passion, commitment, dedication, and persistence of all involved in this project, and I am very excited to share this with you. One of the many reasons I've been impressed by this project and I'm so excited to share it with you is the active participation and inclusion of people representing many different communities, organizations, and interests in Atumwa. The focus of Active Atumwa was on physical activity, which came out of a community survey highlighting that this was a need for the community. The project used community resources to promote and support active living and physical activity across the community. My name is Hannah Schultz, and I work at the University of Iowa College of Public Health. This is our sixth episode of the series talking about Active Atumwa, and today we're going to talk about environments that support physical activity. Our guest today is Garrett Ross. When Garrett became involved with Active Atumwa, he was the membership and marketing director for the Atumwa Family YMCA, and he's currently the interim CEO executive director of the Atumwa Family Y. And of course, our friends Becky and Sandy are back with us. Becky Bucklin is the program manager of Active Atumwa, working out of the University of Iowa, and Sandy Berto is the former field coordinator in Atumwa. In the first episode of this series, we talked about the history of Active Atumwa with the strong connections the University of Iowa team made with the community before the project began. We're starting today's conversation talking about what resources each brought to the program to help it be successful. Well, I, I would say that one of the things that I really believe uh, was an integral part of that has a lot to do with our parks and our parks and recreation department specifically. We have a very vast uh, opportunities in terms of park space, uh, trails, and the availability of those things. So there's so many free options in Atumwa. And quite often the thing that hindered that the most was people's knowledge of what is available to them. So really one of the things that benefited us a lot was the fact that we have so much available to us. Really part of our work was just getting the word out and making sure that people were aware of what's available to them in the Atumwa area as well. We have a very high uh, per square foot, I guess, or per square mile um, per capita of park and recreation um, available in a tumble as well too. So it's it's a really great thing to have that, but when if it doesn't really matter if people don't know about it. So um, it made our jobs easy. It wasn't like we had to do a lot of the work on the back end to get that park space and availability. We just needed to tell people about it. 
We heard about trails in other episodes too. For a small community, Active Atemwa has a lot of great indoor and outdoor space and was very fortunate that many community organizations were eager to support the program. Groups that I found that were very willing to accept, accept Active Atemwa were other places that we talked about previously um, Atama Regional Health Center, we utilize their conference rooms for Tai Chi. Um, Good Samaritan Center has a lovely rec room where we did um, dance fitness. Market on Main, which was a community gathering place, also opened up their big floor on the evenings when they could. Um, we had dance fitness there, um, some yoga early on. Quincy Place Mall was a great place um, for indoor walking. Um, Atumwa Community Schools also worked with us for square dancing at one of the elementary schools. And of course, um, last but not least, the YMCA who really assisted us with water walking in their pool on Friday evenings. Um, organizations that really supported Active Atumwa, um, we were really part of the diversity committee group and also the healthy community meeting group. I think those were two really big key players in helping us get the word out, not only about Active Atumwa, but if indeed um, we needed space and people would reach out to other people of other organizations that might be able to help us a lot of those organizations also connected us to events and things happening in the Tumwa community. So the YMCA every year had a health fair that we were always invited to. The healthy community group had a lot of members um, that came to that meeting that would have their own fairs and their own events that we would be able to present at for free or for a reduced cost. Um, or we could partner with, uh, actually Sandy frequently was put a lot by Hy-Vee, which was one of the reasons why Hy-Vee knew a lot about um, what we were doing and got excited about it, which led to some, some of that sustainability of the program. Um, the Trails Committee, they have a really strong Trails Committee in Atumwa, uh, which Kim is, is ahead of. And then also the Parks Board did invite us multiple times to come talk to them, which, so we just had a lot of cooperation from a lot of different organizations um, throughout the community. And on top of that, there's, there is a lot of talk around revitalization of Atumwa. So like the downtown area has had a lot of work put in and continues to have a lot of work put in around making it visually appealing, but also making it safer to walk with better crosswalks, um, wider sidewalks that aren't as much like a tripping hazard. Um, and a lot of that does lead to people being more active and it leads to gateways to the trail system, which runs like right along the river right next to downtown. And so starting to create some of these connection points. Um, and I know the trails committee has a whole list of ideas of things that they can continue to work on um, to expand the trails and make it more accessible. But really the community is trying to revitalize and build around um, initiatives that I think will greatly impact the, like economically will impact Atumwa and benefit Atumwa, but at the same time, a lot of those economic benefits that would bring people to a beautiful downtown also make people more likely to be active in that beautiful downtown. Um, and I know the parks 
the parks department works very hard to keep, they have huge parks in Ottumwa. Um, like Garrett was saying, I actually did look up that number, Garrett, right before I started because I wanted to make sure I had it. But they have 2.7 acres per 100 residents, which is three times the national standard. And I found that on the um, Ottumwa Parks website, which is a really great number. So again, there's tons of resources out there and there's a lot of opportunity to be active. Um, it's just people, some people were using it and utilizing the spaces clearly, otherwise there wouldn't be such an initiative to create such big spaces, but we really wanted to let other people in the community know that it's for them too. Cause a lot of times when you have parks and you have recreational facilities, I know we talked about that a little bit with the um, YMCA where sometimes people just don't know it's for them. So we had to like open up their mind and let them know that actually you can utilize this space and, um, it can be free to you, um, and you may really enjoy an activity you didn't know that you had access to before. Becky mentioned the trail system and parks in Ottumwa. This is a big benefit to many communities throughout our state and region, but folks don't always think about getting active in outdoor spaces. Becky also made a really good point that trails and outdoor rec spaces are important in attracting new people and economic development. So much of our conversation in the previous five episodes has focused on the incredible human resources that were key drivers to the success of Active Ottumwa. From the Community Advisory Board to physical activity leaders and so many others, it's right to talk about how impressive this team is. But physical activity needs to happen somewhere. And this was a free program, so we're going to continue talking about the places and spaces where Active Ottumwa took place. Most of the time, I found that if you asked and people had heard of Active Ottumwa or you explained what Active Ottumwa was and our mission, it's just hard not to see the positive results that would happen within our community. And if our community is healthier mentally and physically, it's just kind of a no-brainer not to be part of Active Ottumwa. It got so that after Active Ottumwa seemed to just really blossom, we had people coming to us asking us to do pickleball and um, activities for children and add a nutritional component to it. And why couldn't they? We, it, it did take some convincing that the model for the lay health advisor or the pals to be the leaders of the group. People did have some reservation about leading a group, but were very willing to support Active Ottumwa. And one way they did that was offering their space free of charge, which I thought was really huge and really spoke to their commitment to help citizens of Ottumwa become healthier. You know, from a perspective of the YMCA, where we were happy to be able to provide um, several opportunities and connections to either a space or instructors, even at that point as well, too. And, and it, it makes sense for the vitality of our community to have these options and this diversity. It only benefits all of us if everybody becomes more focused on wellness and healthier overall. So a rising tide raises all ships, and us knowing this it was an important step for us to offer space 
and make a commitment as an organization to a movement like this as well. I mean, Active Atumwa didn't necessarily feel so much like like a organization so much as it was a move and a shift in how we think about our lives here in Atumwa and what we should be focused on and what is available to us as well. So it, it made sense even from a YMCA standpoint to say, okay, as an organization that um, relies on membership revenue, how are we going to let people in here and utilize uh, space for free for a class? It, it makes sense for our community. Once again, our YMCA is here for our community and it's just going to benefit our members. It's going to benefit those people who aren't members and they might become members as well. But overall, this is going to help push our community from that sedentary lifestyle, just maybe a notch and a half up and get them towards that moderate physical activity. So we're moving ourselves forward is what we really needed to do. And I think once organizations in our community um, realized that that was the press of Active Atumla, I, I, I agree with Sandy. I don't believe it was a hard choice for them to offer space and support the cause. Actually, I'm going to jump off that. I don't think we've mentioned that our logo had, um, so we had a logo that was created by a graphic designer, but really the cab was integral in designing that logo. And we had a slogan at the bottom of the logo that says a city on the move. And we use that frequently. And the cab really came up with that. Actually, Garrett, you might know more because I think that that happened before I joined. You decided on it. But this, this um, whole, the whole program was really to get anybody moving, but also moving the city forward. So we really did focus a lot of our energy and effort when we were talking to community members but how this puts a tumble, this program puts a tumble on the map in like the research world, but it also puts a tumble on the map in like the CDC's eyes and nationally. And it's also moving the city forward um, while we're putting the city on, on the map of like people recognizing that a tumble ha has so many amazing assets that, um, that can lead to a healthier lifestyle of its residents. I remember us going through different different taglines and I remember us going through different logos as well. Um, I, I do remember us really grabbing hold of that city on the move um, really because of the double meaning, you know, I mean, it really is, it's, it's saying why we do what we do, you know, and it's really, it, it, I, everybody really appreciated that. Not only are we trying to get physically active, get people active, but once again, it's a huge indicator for vitality of your community. That's what we all, I mean, that's what we truly also wanted to see. And so um, we really did like that. And I, and I can't remember, I think that there were three logo options. I think there might've been three or four different options for like a tagline, but we really liked the city on the move. Um, just because like I said, we were thinking progress, you know, a was kind of, coming out into a, into a new phase of its history, hopefully, um, of vitality and really making itself kind of a um, nice, wonderful river community to live and work. This process Garrett described of the community making and driving decisions reflects how a lot of the program worked and is a huge part of its success. This is why CBPR, community-based participatory research, is so important. Because if we as researchers would have went into the community and tried to just talk to organizations and let in, into letting uh, the research or the university use their spaces. Unfortunately, a lot of the time, um, universities are seen as places where there's a lot of money. That's not necessarily always the case, um, especially with research projects that are kind of running on a shoestring, which happens to be a lot of community engaged research. And so we really didn't have funds in our budget to pay 
locations to let us lead physical activities. So that would have been um, a lot of times if the university would have come in only, it would have been harder to get places to trust us as well, not only for the financial aspect, but also I don't, I know we wouldn't have been able to get to the right people. So Sandy was in the community every single day, going to community meetings, um, connecting with different people, connecting with the cab to connect with different people, um, going to these big fairs. And once you find the right person that you need to talk to, that right person leads you to actually getting something done, like going to the schools. So there's a lot of different people you can talk to at a school, but but in order but in order to find the right person that you need to talk to to be able to use the gym at the school, that actually can be a lot more complicated. Um, or it's the same way with any business around. So like we had some stuff at the crisis center and the crisis center is a small organization, but getting in contact with somebody um, at the crisis center and trying to talk through them about why this would be important could be very complicated for somebody at the university, but Sandy is very good at connecting with the community and the people there and selling the program and saying that the program this is why it would impact you or this is why it would be important to you. So like making that case from a trusted community member, I think um, is another piece that the researchers we couldn't have done if this wasn't a community engaged project. I would agree with that. Not only that, I, I would just add to it that, I mean, just as we've said before, it's so important to get cheerleaders and there is, there is no bigger advocate for this programming than Sandy as well. And, and I think that really, that came out when she sat down with you to pitch the program and communicate that to community stakeholders. I would completely agree with Becky that if the University of Iowa would have came into my office here at the YMCA and said, hey, uh, we want to use your pool for free on Fridays, uh, I, I probably would have been like, um, no, we have rates for that, though, if you're interested, <laughs> you know, and <clears throat> I think that's that's an important factor, but when Sandy comes in and she sits down and she talks about her interest and her commitment and enthusiasm for the work that's happening, it changes your perspective, you know, and it really does. And it, and it means more when it is coming from somebody who's connected and invested in the community as well. So I would 120% agree with that statement. Garrett's perspective in this conversation has been really great, especially coming from the YMCA, which has membership fees and charges for a lot of their programs, but he's also a huge advocate for the program. So I asked him if other Ys in Iowa also open themselves up for free community activities. There are approximately 25 other YMCA associations in the state of Iowa, and um, it varies. It is on a case-by-case -case basis um, per different YMCA. Every YMCA is its own independent organization. Um, but there are, I mean, they work with a lot of different community organizations, not necessarily just in research function, but um, in terms of supporting their communities as well. And a YMCA is meant to be um, a little bit different everywhere you go because they're meant to be a reflection of their community and what their community support needs. So. Um, yeah, I, I could say that specifically what those programs would be. I couldn't tell you exactly, but I know um, from personal experience, even just local YMCAs as well, too, they'll work with small community organizations or uh, in bigger representation sometimes with uh, community colleges to uh, support community programming, things such as that, whether it's gymnasium space, um, you know, in our case, it's pool space, you know, um, 
but just little things like that, absolutely. We're here to make sure that our community uh, moves forward. Going back to the trails and outside resources, we talked a little bit about the walkability of Atumwa. Many of you maybe have heard of a walkability score. So Becky shares a number, and it's actually a number used by realtors. It's not the walkability score that we frequently hear from others. But here's a great conversation from Becky, Sandy, and Garrett about how, how walkable Atumwa is and what some of the challenges are. We've got a walkability score in Atumwa? Yeah, let me... I, I, I guess I hadn't heard that. I, I've heard that, that we don't have great walkability, that there are still some, um, some areas that we don't have very good curbs or sidewalks at all in some areas, but. Actually, I attended the walking college that was held in Ames, and it was part of the Healthiest State Initiative, if I remember correctly. Ah. And part of my homework was to do a walking, um, a, a walking assignment here in Atumwa. So several of the ambassadors came and joined me and we walked around downtown and we noticed the gaps in the sidewalks, the inaccessibility for handicapped people. Um, in a wheelchair, um, there's not very many places that are um, friendly for the visually impaired. So it was truly a real eye-opening eye experience. I do have to say, um, when we went out and had this rehearsal during the walking college, we walked, and I don't know Ames at, at all, but we walked along one of the busier streets and we walked around and noticed the lack of pedestrian markers and the gaps in the sidewalk, the how close it was the sidewalks were to the traffic. And at one point, now mind you, there were 15 adults all in that bright yellow vest that indicated that we were all together and um, to garner the attention of the drivers twice someone was almost hit by either people turning right without paying, it, paying any attention to the pedestrians that we were. And also somebody almost came up over the curb. Maybe they were watching the 15 people in their, in their bright reflective vests, but it was truly not only eye-opening in Ames, but also here in Atumwa. Atumwa is um, considered very walkable with a score of 76, and it says most errands can be accomplished on foot. But a lot of that is downtown. Like the downtown city center of Atumwa has become fairly walkable because of all this downtown revitalization and because of the trails along the river that you can connect to that I was talking to earlier. But then the bike score of Atumwa is 41, so there's minimal bike infrastructure, which is interesting for Iowa because we have RAGBRAI, and a lot of places in Iowa have some really big bike advocates throughout Iowa. Um, the thing is, a lot of those bike advocates want really long bike rides. They don't want short commute bike ride, rides. So that is a place that we've identified as something that Atumwa could use, a little bit more safety bike infrastructure. And a lot of the things Sandy was talking about with, like, curb cuts, um, being a little bit safer and having the like the dotted when you come to an intersection section there being a, a square box that's dotted um, 
I think those are called truncated curb cuts. I think Kim would know this, but um, basically those, those spaces are for blind people to know that they came to an intersection. And also a lot of times those two, um, they make it so that there's not a, uh, it's great to have a buffer on a sidewalk to protect um, people from cars coming up onto the sidewalk. But that's not so great when you come to an intersection and you want to cross because people in wheelchairs or with any sort of disability um, that impairs their ability to walk um, even steadily or even older adults who struggle with curb cuts. Um, it's really great to have those those inclines going or those declines and inclines going up from the intersection so that they don't have to make a step. Um, Otumwa does not have tons of those, except for in the downtown area where they're really building up. They do have a lot of the, that infrastructure there. Um, Kim and I did go out and do this assessment in the very beginning of the project, the Rural Active Living Assessment, um, which is a really great assessment tool. I will say, um, from my perspective, it's a little bit harder to assess at, uh, at a micropolitan level because I think that it's meant for more rural communities and micropolitan communities tend to fare much better because they have a lot more resources. Um, but then there are some walking audits done at like an urban level that a micropolitan community couldn't really keep up with. There's just not the infrastructure there. Um, so I think that there, I do think that there needs to be an assessment somewhere in the middle, but we did this rural active living. There are si and with that, we found, um, we did 16 different street se segments with that, we did these 16 different segment walks. Me and Kim went out together and we like judged or evaluated these street segments throughout the community. And a lot of Otumwa does have sidewalks. Not very many of them are the wide sidewalks, the like three foot sidewalks. A lot of them are very um, like, a, I think it's a foot and a half, um, but they're not super wide and they're not very well maintained. So in some areas when you try to use the sidewalk, though it's there, um, though it's there, it's actually probably safer to go onto the street because the sidewalks are so um, not taken care of. There's weeds and grass. They are uneven. Um, and a big part of this is though the city, uh, this, I don't know if this is a Tumwa specific. So Garrett, let me know if this is, if you know, if this is a Tumwa specific, but I do know, or if this is an Iowa thing, but what the city can put a sidewalk in, and that does not cost the owner of the property money. But if that sidewalk cracks, or if that sidewalk during the winter, if snow needs to be removed from the sidewalk, that is the property owner's, um, that is that is the property owner's responsibility to get done. So a lot of people not I don't I don't actually want to generalize some people, then because of this really actually don't want the responsibility of having a sidewalk put in their yard, because then in the winter, they have to clean it. And it's not people being lazy. It's some people honestly don't have the capability to clean it themselves. You think of an 80 year old person who's been in their house for 30, 40 years. And all of a sudden you're trying to put a sidewalk in the middle of their yard that they're not, they know they can't shovel. Um, that's going to be a huge. And if the sidewalk does crack, it's the person's responsibility to pay to fix it, which is another huge issue. And so because the city isn't, um, though they can put it in there and people are very excited to have things be a little bit more connected. A lot of people don't want that additional responsibility, which then leads to the sidewalks kind of being dis being in disrepair. Um, some other things that we noticed is that though some places are very well lit, a lot of other places are not very well lit. There's not a lot of street lamps, which makes it hard to um, use those sidewalks at night. Um, 
safely. Let me see. Did I have anything else? Oh, there's a beautiful section of the trail, like again, along the, the river, but then it goes off by the John Deere plant down there and they put these amazing lights that they got a grant for. I think Jean was in charge of that, the parks director, but they have these, these solar paneled lights that are put out and that area is actually, I think used very frequently by walkers, but it kind of, to me, that's just a case study to show that that whole Iowa, if you build it, they will come type thing. Not that that's actually true, because even if you do build it, you do need to let people know that it's there and it's theirs to use. But I do think that that area um, has really shown that if you have really great trail infrastructure and you have it lit well um, and you maintain it, that people really will use it a lot. Um, and I think that that is being spread to the downtown area. But then there's a lot of these connector side roads that I think need a lot of work. There's sidewalks there, but they're not um, really usable. I think one of the big things that Atum was well too is that we do have a really great trails infrastructure, but it, it is true that the communities, like when you get into the densely populated areas of homes, they're not they aren't connected as well to a lot of the trail systems, and so that's kind of the challenge. The Tumwa Trails Council is thinking about a lot of these connectors too. So one huge thing with active living type conversations is that how do you get people to want to actively get to places destinations that they need to go such as jobs or the grocery store what we I, I believe we help do is try to drive people to utilize the infrastructure that was being built but now that if we can get people to walk more in the community through these walking groups and show people that it's safe to walk to the mall maybe the next time they'll do it on their own and so I think it was a great layering effect of some of these things that the community was already really trying to do to revitalize itself um, that we just added on to. Most of the time when people want to walk on the trails, they drive to the park as one central location and then do their walking, meet their friends there. Um, also, we sponsored a um, couple different bike riding groups and people if people lived close enough and they felt safe on their streets being able to access the trails which is just a couple different areas from neighborhoods that I can think of they would bike and meet their friends there or they would bring their bike on their bike rack on their cars the mall being connected to the trails. I do know that there were several people who met in the parking lot of the mall and then did their bike group or walk group. You know, probably um, it's one of those things where as a father of four myself, um, you know, I think about, okay, am I going to be able to take, you know, um, my two-year-old, my seven-year-old out on a walk together? And am I going to feel safe when we're on that walk? And I think that is kind of going back to, you know, Becky's point a little bit about um, community vitality and homeownership and walkability as well. I think it really is important when families want to get somewhere that they can take that walk, whether it's, you know, whether it's a foot and a half wide sidewalk or a three foot wide sidewalk is kind of beside the point to me. It's that it's not going to be right next to a road, actually. Um, with my two-year-old and my seven-year-old, you just, you're never quite sure what action they're going to take next. 
And when you're right next to a road, you know, a sidewalk isn't the most conducive place or it doesn't give you the most feeling of security while utilizing that, that walking space. So I, I think that's kind of the trails give you that secondary option where you're not walking anywhere next to cars. Um, just like we were talking about, you know, that Highway 34 intersection uh, at, uh, at uh, Quincy and 34 is extremely busy. There are no sidewalks connecting any of it up that area, but it is a very major um, uh, area for restaurants and shopping and things like that. So I think one of the big challenges is that, uh, that, that head-on challenge I think that a lot of communities see is the walking versus the automobiles, you know, and, and what's probably going to be easy for one is not going to be easy for the other and vice versa. So, and I think we found ourselves pushing so far, to, so hard to fix roads here in Atumbo for such a long time that we had kind of neglected on there needs to be consideration for walking engagement as well, too. Um, I just, I wouldn't feel comfortable trying to take my, my kids across the uh, Quincy Road from the old, from the mall area over to the Kmart Plaza. It just wouldn't, I mean, there's no safe place to do it. Um, I wouldn't feel that there's an actual area where it's designated for you to walk across. I don't believe that there's any uh, walk, crosswalks indicated even on that road. So once again, it's, it's kind of like we, we have to take a step back and make sure that it's not just one or the other. We've got to take both into consideration. Like I think is one of the things that's happening downtown in the tumble right now is they're saying, how can we still make it conducive for an automobile, automobile environment, but still ensure that people still feel safe and comfortable utilizing this space in a walkability standard. So we, I think we've got to make sure we're taking both of those lenses into perspective when we're doing expansion or creation as well. Garrett makes a really good point here that we often set up these dichotomies of health versus economy, cars versus walkers, and many other things, and we really don't need to do that. In Atemwa, the community has shown that keeping the community's health and the community's needs in the forefront is good for everyone. Now we're going to switch gears again, and we're going to talk about the organizations that opened their space up for activities. Atemwa Regional um, was very generous in offering their conference rooms for us on Saturday mornings at 10 o'clock for Tai Chi. And the mall is open from 8 a.m. to 7 p.m. I think there have been some restrictions with the COVID crisis, but it was opened early for walkers um, when it when life was normal um, and it would open at seven o'clock for walkers to come. And that used to be a very busy time, not only during um, February when the weather's cold here in Iowa, but also people who um, couldn't do the heat or had allergies and just felt more comfortable walking where it was smooth flooring. It was cement, so, um, or tiled. So that also was a big factor for the mall. Also, Bridgeview Center was also open, has a big, luxurious um, waiting area that is carpeted that you could go in the middle of February and watch the eagles soar over the river because the whole 
um, north side, I think it is, that faces the river, was very um, charming to watch the eagles and, and gather with your friends to walk. And um, you could, it's big enough that you could get a good walk in around and not even be aware that you had walked that because you were walking and talking about the eagles. Um, let's see. We utilized Wilson School for square dance lessons. Also Good Samaritan Center, the rec area there. The YMCA. Um, I'm trying to think of other places. We just had an official agreement with Good Samaritan. I think the other places were a gentleman's agreement, honestly. Of course, with the, the mall and the trails, there wasn't any kind of an agreement. And at Tumwa Regional, it was, uh, yes, we want you to come. And I don't think we had an official agreement with them. But with Good Sam, they requested it. So the team in Iowa City put together a, um, a release form and they went with it and we never had any problems. Um, ironically, the only place where we did have one concern that um, happened between participants was here in the active Atumwa office when Tai Chi got so big that we had a couple ladies bump into each other and a disagreement ensued. Nobody was harmed. Um, and it was all resolved peacefully. Um, but um, I think that was all I could think of. Did you say Market on Main? Did you say Market on Main? Oh, Market on Main, yes. Yes, a valuable, valuable resource for us. Um, not only was it um, very very, um, very important for our, several of our classes, but it also introduced a lot of people who didn't know what Market on Main was about. And it was a business through one of the, through the legacy organization here in Atumwa. And it was uh, um, also an area where um, people who were starting their own businesses could sell their wares. Also the place where, the International Festival was also um, brought to Watumwa. So it was just a real gathering place of all different kinds of activities. Yeah, Market on Main is kind of like an indoors farmer's market. Like it has all these like startup businesses where you go in um, and you can shop local at all these different businesses under one roof. And then they had separately a room, like a get together room that they would, um, it was also a bar, but we didn't have any alcohol at any of our active Atumla events, but they did have like an area that was kind of, and they would sometimes have wedding receptions and things in this area. And that's the area that they would let us use for free. Um, and they were one of our first indoor partners and they're like right downtown. Um, it's a beautiful space lots of parking. It was a very convenient location. Unfortunately, Market on Main has since closed, um, but they were a huge proponent of getting us a space that was indoors that we could use year round and that um, helped promote our program to people that we wouldn't have maybe reached otherwise. They weren't very far from our office um, 
and they're incredibly generous with let it, let, letting us use their space for free. Um, and they kind of set the tone that that locations and organizations around Atemwa could let us use their space for free. So that I'm, I'm not sure, Sandy, maybe you didn't do this, but I'm sure that a little bit of the pull for some organizations for letting us use their spaces was that, well, Market on Main is letting us use their space and they trust us to use their space and we haven't done anything um, to make it so that they're not going to trust us to use their space. So these other organizations, I'm sure, um, jumped on a little bit easier having such a big name in the community on our monthly calendar. Oh, yeah. St. Mary's Church, yes, was um, utilized for the Latino activities, and it was very well attended. By this time in the series, we've talked with a lot of people and heard about countless people, businesses, community organizations, parks, and other Atemla resources. Because one of the goals of this podcast is to help others who are thinking about implementing similar programs in their communities, I was really curious how Sandy kept it all coordinated and moving forward. Part of my position as the field coordinator with Active Atumwa was sometimes like herding cats, because as you mentioned, there are so many, so many moving parts. There's moving personalities sometimes. Um, there would be um, instances what, that might come up with a pal or someone needed to have some guidance or a facility might have all of a sudden no ring, room for us. Um, there were a couple times when the conference rooms were busy for active or for Atomo Regional Hospital and we would either find another place to go or we would make sure that most of the people who participated were notified. It also was a very positive experience for me personally because I got to meet a whole nother um, set of people that I wouldn't have it had I not been part of Active Atumwa. I was able to draw upon the people that had been in my life personally and professionally and bring them to Active Atumwa. But mostly it's been so much fun to meet all these new people and what they have to offer. And I also had the support and the kindness and communication that was really great with the team in Iowa City. Another thing I think one of my favorite Sandy um, Berto quotes is it takes baby steps. So every time it did sometimes seem like we were taking a step forward, something would happen and maybe we would take a step backwards, but we were always making a little bit of progress forward, like be it finding a new contact at, um, at Good Sam, who was willing to let us be, to offer classes there, or like St. Mary's, um, finding the right person at St. Mary's. So initially we had um, one of the sisters at St. Mary's who was trained to be a physical activity leader. So that was our baby step forward. But then she is very busy and overbooked and she does so many wonderful things for the community. So she couldn't actually lead an activity herself. That was a baby step backward. And then we take another baby step forward we're like, but can you help us find other people who actually would have the time and are connected in your church community to lead some classes? That she did find those people. We trained them baby step forward. Um, then we would have the, okay, so now they're trained. Where can they lead the activity? And St. Mary's was a great place to lead it, but they're also very busy. Their locations are very busy. And 
a lot of times when the, um, the participants were free and it would be best for the participants was Wednesday nights when they might be having church service upstairs. So how do we like work out having a church service upstairs and they're trying to lead a active autumnal activity where they're moving around and making a whole bunch of noise below and they had to be quiet. So it's, it was those like constant, we would maybe move forward with something, a new problem would arise, but um, through teamwork and through our connections with the community, we would find a new space. So then on Wednesday nights, Sandy, I think I'm right about this. On Wednesday nights, we moved to the crisis center for the Latinas classes because that was another location they felt safe going to. Um, one of the, the people who works at the crisis center um, is also a Latina. And so she highly, and she highly valued our program. And so they started leading the classes there on Wednesday nights and they had the class at the church on a different night. So um, it was just kind of this constant ebb and flow of every time there was a problem, we would work together as a team and through our community contacts to make a solution happen as quickly as possible. I think also for me, maybe it's being the mother of three daughters. Maybe it's my years of being a nurse. I remember when my girls were all at home and they were, they were old enough to stay home alone. I would tell them as long as everybody's breathing and no one's bleeding, it will be okay. So it's not that I didn't take life or active Atumwa seriously, but you also have to be able to go with the flow and realize that things happen, but that together you can come up with a, a solution to whatever problem happens. I mean, obviously Sandy is underscoring her work here as well, but um, let me make sure to illustrate that, you know, coming from a, a Group X kind of a background with the work that we do here at the Y, it takes years to build a reputation of a quality product when you're working with people individually on wellness. And so it takes a level of consistency that is very, very well thought out, well laid out and consistent um, because it, it takes years to create that standard and it only takes weeks to tear it down. And Sandy's consistency and her ability to maintain that and that strong communication throughout to not only PALS, but to participants really made the program as good as it possibly could have been. These are things that fitness facilities and gyms and YMCAs struggle with on an ongoing basis. How do we stay connected and keep our community informed? And so her personal connection with each one of these individuals, like I said, participants and physical activity leaders, was really important to making that work. To close out today's conversation, I zoom out quite a bit and I ask our guests what advice they have for other communities looking to implement programs like Active Atumwa. I think for me was being able to utilize some of the meetings where there are several organizations that come together, the healthy community meeting group and the diversity community meeting group were both large, um, 15 to 20 to 25 people each meeting. It gave organizations a place to share what was not only going on with their, their own organization, but also to be able to problem solve to a certain extent. Um, it was actually through the healthy community meeting group where 
I was sharing information about Active Atumwan that we needed space to hold for a dance fitness class. And that's where Good Samaritan um, Rehab Center approached me about being able to have classes there. So um, I think just finding some of those key places to kind of inch into was made a real easy choice for me. I also made sure that before I went to those meetings that I had a packet of information about Active Atumwa, whether or not it was the Active Atumwa pens and then the information flyer, perhaps um, bookmarks to hand out to everybody so that everybody took home printed material as well. I have, I think, three kind of bigger picture things that I had laid out um, when prepping for this. One, you have to find the right person. By that, I mean on kind of in two different avenues. One is find a Sandy. I tell that to almost anyone who's like, how do you make active attempt happen? Well, you find a Sandy. Um, so, uh, so someone like Sandy, who's very connected in the community, very enthusiastic about the project, is really great to work with and for. Um, and is willing to find the right people, the other people in the community um, who help make all of these connections happen with finding places to lead activities, finding new physical activity leaders to lead activities, being able to get the word out about the program. The second one is being creative and keeping your options open. So I think there was a lot of times when um, we would have a new location who may be interested in partnering with us, but that's not been done before. How do we make sure that, that space is safe? Like the crisis center, it's a very, it's a very small office. How do we make sure that that's a safe place to be active? And it's being creative and being flexible and working with the, um, the organization itself to make sure that it's safe as well as the participants and um, making sure to have open and honest, clear communication, which is my third one is being clear about the procedures on both sides. So what resources are going to be needed at the location for the PALS to take that Active Atoma would have to supply? But on the other end, what resources could the, the place supply itself? So I know that Atoma Regional, I think, Sandy, right, they supplied a television that would be in the room. And how do we make sure that that television is in the right room, the right conference room that night to have the activity that was happening um, in that location? So having these procedures and resources and how, how does that workflow happen of getting all of the, getting the, the room ready and having all of the equipment there, making sure that the PAL shows up there on time with all of their equipment and that they leave the space exactly how the organization wants the space to be left. And so in some ways, we again, it was more of like a gentleman's agreement, as Sandy said, but we did have very specific procedures to follow in many of these spaces, even if we didn't sign a document that said so. Um, and we were more than happy to draft documents if more community partners would have needed them or would have wanted them, or some community partners have them already. A lot of school districts already have joint use agreements. Um, it's just agreeing to sign that and making sure that the PAL knows that these are the procedures that you need to follow. So, um, but just making sure that, that there's this very open and honest communication and that you follow through um, with what you promise. So I'm going to start off by um, we're coining the phrase "get yourself a Sandy." So um, we just I just want to make sure that it's been recorded that we started that. So moving on from that, there was two points I wanted to make sure and make, and one of them was 
is gather a tribe. And really, Sandy did an incredible job of that as well, too, of gathering that tribe of individuals. And really, you know, as, as our group kind of had it, it was that cab um, that was that were part of a tribe of individuals that were just as interested and dedicated in seeing the community move forward in health and wellness as our cheerleader was, Sandy. And so getting those people around the table and creating that tribe and then that understanding of everybody who wanted to see that progress, I think that was really important to the motion. Most people, if you ask them and, and be open and kind about it, most of the time people really do want their communities to get better to be healthier, to be more positive. And I think one of the concerns that I have seen as a lifelong one is that several people are not asked because they don't either have large sums of money to put into play and that there are some people who are just indivisible. So if those people who feel indivisible are are asked almost all the time. I, I can't think of very many times somebody just outright told me, no, they weren't interested in it. Maybe that was my own perseverance. And you also have to make good eye contact. I had, I have, if you want to talk about quotes, I, I had a very favorite nurse who was a fabulous mentor who told me that people don't care what you know until they know you care. And I think in making people feel like you do care and that they are very much a contributing member of their own community, I think that's just huge, I think, personally. Thanks for joining us for another great conversation about Active Otumwa. I don't really have closing remarks because I don't know what to say that will top Sandy's final words there. So once again, the passion, care, and dedication to this community shines through. Thank you, Garrett, Sandy, and Becky for sharing your experiences and highlighting the great partnerships, businesses, spaces, and organizations that contributed to Active Otumwa's success. Thank you for tuning in. Thanks to the Midwestern Public Health Training Center for production support, the team at the University of Iowa Prevention Research Center for Rural Health, the Otumwa community, and the many guests and contributors we talk with throughout these 10 episodes. See the podcast notes for more information about Active Otumwa and to connect with our team. This podcast is a product of a Health Promotion and Disease Prevention Research Center. Supported by Cooperative Agreement Number U48DP006389 from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. The findings and conclusions in this podcast are those of the contributors and do not necessarily represent the official position of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention.